0: Welcome to the Union Tribune's Aztecs Hoopla podcast. And this is certainly not a podcast we thought we'd be having on, uh, on this day. I'm Jay Posner, the sports editor here at the Union Tribune. I'm joined by our Aztecs basketball writer, and of course he does many other things, Mark Ziegler. And Mark, it's Friday morning. We should be watching conference tournament games right now. We should be about 52 hours or so away from Selection Sunday. And instead, I'm sitting in a mostly empty newsroom. And uh, there's no basketball practice for you to go to today, and there's no sports, period. So this is quite the odd time, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, it is. And, and, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> when, when you get to March, and you know, there's a certain rhythm to the sports year. And, and, and one of the things about March Madness and the Masters opening of baseball season uh, is it, it, it corresponds with spring. And so there's a feel in the air, there's a change in the weather. Change in attitudes, and these events come with it, and we associate these events with with that. And so, when we don't have these events, it's kind of an empty feeling.
0: Yeah, and it's of course we have had a change in the weather here. It's raining, which it doesn't, which it doesn't do much. But for <laughs> for most people, that's not the change of uh, of season that they hope for. But it's true. I mean, this is always, I mean, this might be my favorite time of the year. I mean, when you when you think of the of the tournament, and then baseball starts, and then the Masters comes on the heels of that. I mean, that it's such a great stretch from you know usually from this time up until that second weekend in April when the Masters goes and and I know it's even more disappointing for you personally this year. I mean not only do you love the tournament and the Aztecs had a chance this year to do something in it but you were also going to go to the Masters for the first time. So we'll see if we can uh, when they're going to play again and if we can and still make that happen. But let's get to the the most important thing at least for local fans which is the Aztecs and and I think a lot of people have the same feeling. I mean, I, I joke a lot on on Twitter about with a hashtag San Diego Sports because just when you think that something's going great, the San Diego Sports curse, if you want to call it that, comes along. And, you know, maybe it's a, a team losing a game it should, shouldn't should lose or there's any number of things. But this seems, and I know some people have said this to me, this almost seems like sort of the epitome of the of the San Diego Sports curse where the Aztecs, you know, have their – their best season I, I guess this equaled their best regular season ever in terms of just two losses uh at 30 and 2 everybody looking forward to the tournament and now there's no tournament so what what's the what's what's your feeling on 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 this and and the aztecs and just what what are we what are we all missing out on basically yeah i've been here many
1: many decades and and uh, i've seen it all and and uh... This is certainly, you know, add this to the annals of San Diego sports history. I mean, it's just it's just another incident. And, and uh, you know, people like to say we can't have nice things, and apparently not. Um, right. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, for the, for the team, they haven't made the players available, and, and you know, I, I, my sense is, on the one hand, they're just crushed and they're devastated. On the other hand, you know, this was a veteran team. And the same thing goes for UC San Diego, who's 30-1, and one, ranked number four in Division Two in their last year, Division Two, and really one of the favorites to win it all. A lot of people thought they had the best shot at winning it all. Uh, and when I was talking to Eric Olin last night, he said, you know, I asked him how the, how the players handled it. And, and he said, you know, I'm sure it was a lot like San Diego State. We both have veteran, mature teams. That's why we were good this year because we had older guys, guys who have been through it before, guys who had perspective. And so they're maybe a little bit more analytical about it, a little bit more cerebral about it, instead of a knee-jerk uh, reaction of just disappointment or anger or sadness. I'm sure there's all those emotions as well, but I think they're able to put it in perspective and, and maybe move on from it a little bit better than, than a younger team could, uh, could have. And so I think, in that regard, they're they're kind of fortunate to have older players. But it's it's certainly I think as time goes on, it's it's still going to sting. Uh, I think it's you're still in, the, in sort of the shock phase right now. And you know, there's all these phases of whether it's going to be anger next, or it's going to be uh, sadness or melancholy or whatever you want to say. It, 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 those will come too, because I think uh, you don't get very many opportunities like this. In, in particularly in a mid-major program, and, and this certainly is an opportunity that's gone by the wayside.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that, that I feel bad for kind of the Aztec nation, if you will, uh, excuse the, the the bad cliche there, but that this is not a program that is that is going to roll out 30 win seasons every single year. I mean, it's just the the way the sport is built, it's just not possible for uh, or, or doesn't seem possible for a program to do this. I mean, Gonzaga, I guess, does it every year but that's are such a unique situation i mean that they're really a, a they're basically a power 5 program when you when you think about it just in a mid major conference i don't think the aztecs are quite at that at that level yet i mean i think you talk 20 win seasons even maybe 24 25 but for them to go 30 and 2 and to, you know to start 26 and 0 and get up to number 4 uh, in the rankings i i just don't think that anybody can reasonably expect that to happen on a regular Basis. I mean, you just look; they've been to the Sweet 16 just twice since you know since Steve Fisher built this program out of nothing. So that's what's so devastating for people, I think, if is that you know they're not going to get a chance to see what could have been, and and I'm sure for the players as well, they're not going to get a chance to prove just how good they could have been, and I, I'm sure that's part of what goes into the disappointment. And I would hope that that you would get to talk to some players. I, I think it would be terribly unfair. Uh, of the university not to make them available and, and have them share their thoughts. I mean, they're, they're, you know, most of them are grown men and they're capable of expressing uh, their thoughts about this. So I I hope that, uh, that that comes about. And especially guys, you and I talked yesterday, guys like Wetzel, Flynn, KJ Fagan that, that transferred here specifically to play in the tournament. You got to feel for guys like that.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, you know like you said an uh, interesting point i mean they're not at the gonzaga level and and obviously they aspire to that and they want to get to that level where they're consistently bringing in transfers and bringing in top recruits and and they've got the arena they've got the crowd and they and they you know on the verge of a 30 win season every year they have the potential you know if everything goes right guys don't get hurt and they hit some buzzer beaters you know that type of thing but they're in the sort of in the game every year they're a sweet 16 team every year that's kind of what gonzaga's done now they've five straight years in the sweet 16 and part of doing that uh, is to have a 30-2 regular season. But part of it, too, is make a run in the tournament because right. that's when you get national recognition. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's been robbed from them in their development. They're certainly on that arc uh, in terms of what they did with bringing in transfers and, and acclimating them into the system so well. I mean, obviously, they're going to have their pick of, of fifth-year transfers or, or, or any transfer, really. Uh, they should because of, of what they did but people here regionally know what they did but for them to go and they get to a sweet 16 or an elite 8 or or even, you know a final 4 now the whole nation takes notice and it accelerates your development as a program and that's been taken away so i think that's from a program and uh, a big picture perspective that's kind of a big loss here
0: right i think they got some exposure this year in terms of you know the washington post wrote about them usa today sports illustrated those kind of national publications, but I think a lot of the, you know, players, the guys that are involved, high school, college kids that might transfer, they're not necessarily reading those those publications, but they're paying attention in March, and if, yeah. if you're making a run, as you said, especially into the second weekend, now these guys are all seeing you on TV and it's like, oh, wait a minute, San Diego State. Oh, they I got a. I got a call from them, or I got an email from them, or whatever. Maybe I should. Maybe I should look into this a little bit more. And you're right. That's what has kind of robbed. They've been robbed of of that. And look, we're not saying that everybody else hasn't been robbed of the same thing. I mean, but we're talking about the Aztecs and not every other team. The decision to cancel the tournament. Were you surprised at all? Because you there had been rumors, and I I know you had heard some of them as well that. They might try to postpone it and maybe even do like get the top 16 teams together or maybe even the top eight or try, kind of do trying to a, a mini tournament at some point in April uh, after hopefully this virus has, has, has dissipated a bit and, and, and the, the scare has gone away and that sort of thing. What do you think happened and why do you think this got canceled as opposed to postponed? Because if it was postponed, they could have gotten a lot of the TV money that they're now going to miss out on.
1: Right, I think there were two factors here, and, and the first was logistics of the actual men's basketball tournament. Um, the, you know, it's it's a just the tournament itself. I think the number I saw was eight hundred forty-seven million. But when you when you throw in conference tournaments and other uh, other ancillary events around it, it's a, it's a basically a billion-dollar tournament in terms of revenue to the NCAA, and and so. Uh, but the first the first issue is logistics. So they've got to have arenas to play in. They don't. They don't control their. Uh, a lot of the arenas they use because they use NBA arenas in big cities. And so, for them to keep the tournament in its current format, um, you know, for example, San Jose was going to go to Sacramento. Well, that's the Golden One Center. That's where the, the Sacramento Kings play. Well, they had gone on a road trip, uh, planned to go on a road trip during the NCAA tournament. But now the NBA season is on hiatus, and the, NCAA, and the NBA season comes back. There might be, you know, they're going to have first call on all those. Uh, Dates in that arena plus there might be some concerts scheduled It was very hard to to get like a a four or five day window where they could play in a lot of these arenas So that logistics and then you have the hotel rooms Uh, That's another problem the the flights uh, Just moving large numbers of people around the country for the tournament And so I think that became kind of a logistical nightmare for them And then the second thing they had to look at is even if there was a chance to maybe play it later But it got scrapped and they did end up losing all this money uh, that's a big hit for the NCAA. And what people don't understand is that this tournament money is not going to the pockets of Mark Emmert or other people. It's largely going to fund everything else the NCAA puts on, all the other championships. And that includes the women's tournament, which one NCAA official told me loses like $15 million a year. And that's fairly popular as well. You know, water polo, softball, baseball, track and field. And that's just not Division I. Division Two, is Division Three, And they organize all those and pay for them and pay for those teams to travel. And so I think they're looking at this huge financial hit, and I think they kind of felt, well, if we post- postpone the, the men's basketball tournament, uh, but we cancel everything else, that's going to look bad. It, we need to cancel everything else to, to save our financial arrears, so we got to cancel the, the men's basketball tournament as well. And this is just sort of a justification to just to save us or mitigate some of those losses by saying we're not going to have a, a college board series even though it's two or three months away and we don't know what the, the, the sports climate is going to be like. And they might be perfectly fine then, but they just couldn't, be, couldn't afford it if they don't have the men's basketball tournament.
0: I think I read somewhere, and I would credit, credit the source if I remembered it, but I, I just looked at it and, and I think I read that the tournament provides 85% of the income to the NCAA itself each year. Um, Does that sound about right? Because they they don't make money. uh, Football is obviously a huge cash cow, but it's a huge cash cow for the conferences uh, and the teams in those conferences because they run football. But the NCAA controls basketball and all these other sports that you mentioned. So, yeah, that's a good point because they could have tried to keep everything going, and then if it turns out that they couldn't play the basketball tournament, then I guess now it's even more awkward to try to cancel the other the other events but i know some people were uh upset i saw uh, kyle peterson who i believe was a a pitcher at your alma mater a few years ago and has worked for espn on the college world series was very critical on on twitter of the ncaa like why are we calling off the college world series now
1: well that's why yeah it's not being played for a long
0: time (laughs) and,
1: and the ncaa also is so much about i mean because of the gender equity laws i mean it's not a policy it's a law the, and also because the NCAA is not just about division one athletes it's about division two and division three mm-hmm. they're so conscious about being fair to everybody so it's not about the college world series necessarily it's about the division two uh college world series which has you know as many or more logistical uh costs with no revenue uh and, and division three and in all the women's sports you can't have the college world Series and and, and not have women's sports uh championships and so uh, I think they just looked at us and, and said, okay, we'll get some back from our insurance policies, but boy, maybe we have a $500 million, you know, nut hanging out there. Um, let's let's just cancel all these other things and that will help mitigate it. And I, I'm sure that was part of the cost uh, equation. You know, one thing in this whole coronavirus era that we're living in right now that I think a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, they look at sports and say, well, it's an easy thing to cancel. It's an easy thing to scrap because they're trivial in the in the grand picture of things and they really don't matter. And a lot of that is true, but what people I think fail to understand is how big of a business sports have become and not just at the professional level, but at the collegiate level too. And how much of it is predicated on on dollars. I mean this is going to be a huge, huge, huge hit for universities around the country and particularly for mid major schools. Uh, because they rely on those NCAA tournament shares that come into their coffers and they get divided up among all the membership, but it might only be 100 or 200, 300 thousand dollars a year per school. That's a lot of money to a school like San Diego State or to Fresno State or San Jose State. Uh, it might not be as much at UCLA or Ohio State or Alabama, but it is a significant amount of money at those schools, and they're not going to have that going forward for, in fact, six years because each tournament share carries over for six years. So there's also there's a lot of residual. Economic fallout that that I think a lot of people haven't thought about, and will start thinking about it in the coming weeks and months.
0: Right, which is why I'm glad I assigned you and and another writer to work on a story like that, and what what exactly what exactly is the impact for all these athletic departments, uh, for you know at San Diego State and and obviously elsewhere uh, in the county. I'm guessing this is probably the last time we'll do this particular. Podcast. It was fun while it lasted, and we hoped it would have gone on a little bit longer. But let's talk for a little bit about the Aztecs going forward. Thirty and two season. Definitely use, losing Yanni Wetzel and KJ Fagan. Uh, Nolan Narain is the other the other senior. Uh, Malachi Flynn's future obviously up in the air. What's coming back? What's coming in? What's out there? What do you see going forward for Brian Dutcher and this and this team right now?
1: The first thing I'd say is I think we might have enough content for more podcasts going forward, because I think this is going to be a fairly busy off season for San Diego state. Uh, Maybe not right now, maybe not this week or next week, but I think one thing's, once things kind of normalize a little bit, there's a lot of volatility with this team. And and you, you start with, you know, you've got to replace KJ Fagan and you've got to replace Yanni Wetzel for sure. And Nolan rain is the other senior. So you've got, one scholarship available right now, and if Malachi Flynn leaves, that's a second scholarship.
0: And why is it, just to cut you off real quick, but why is it only one or two right now? Is that because of guys they've already signed?
1: Yeah, so they have, so basically they had, uh, they've only carried 12 players they can carry up to 13, so they've had one scholarship hanging out there. They're losing three seniors, but they're bringing three freshmen in. They've already committed and signed. Uh, And so if all three of them end up coming, um, that leaves them with one scholarship for next year, plus the scholarship of anybody who leaves. Uh, the other thing that, you know, we don't know if they'll still vote on, but there's a chance that the transfer rule could change and, and you'd be allowed one free transfer without sitting out. That could go down in April. Now, if that does, it completely changes the college landscape in both directions. You could have players leaving teams uh, and and going into the transfer portal and players coming in. Uh, and so that becomes uh, you know, something to watch, and it, and it could move very quickly and, 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 again, be very, very volatile, particularly for some teams in the Mountain West uh, that had some attractive freshman players. A team like Fresno State could have his whole team in the transfer portal. Uh, you just don't know. And so there's that. There's also the coaches. Uh, you know, Brian Dutcher, uh, in the scheme of things, compared to what coaches in his stratosphere of the national rankings this year is grossly underpaid. Now, that's a, it's a hard thing to say for someone making $850,000, but in the market economy, he is. And J.D. Wicker, the athletic director of senior state, has said that, you know, we, I've been thinking about this and we'll, we'll talk contract extension or readjustment after the season. But, you know, there's a chance, again, when things normalize, that schools could come after him and offer him big money. Uh, and and that is going to be something that senior State's going to have to deal with. Also, all three of their assistants are very hot commodities. They all make in roughly one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, uh, and you know a power conference school could double that salary with a snap of the fingers, and so you've got to look at them as well. A guy like Matt Mitchell, you know, he had a pretty good season this year. Uh, does he want to test the the NBA draft waters and see what it looks like out there? Maybe he goes. They, they look at a guy like Jalen McDaniel's who. Who was a second round pick and ended up playing, you know, a fair amount in the NBA this year before they shut it down. So uh, it, there's a lot of volatility, and I think there's going to be actually quite a bit of news with this team more than usual. Uh, once once things kind of calm down a little bit, I don't know when that's going to be, but I think going forward into the summer, there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some news.
0: Okay, well, we'll definitely fire this up again when there is. I was trying while you were talking to scribble out the the guys they have coming back and and. Flynn is obviously the big question mark. I guess before I go on to the restroom, do you have any sense right now of, of what Flynn is is leaning toward doing?
1: You know, There's no doubt he's going to test the waters. Absolutely no doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he should. Uh, and Brian Dutcher will tell him that, I, I, I believe. Um, my sense is he's gone. I mean, I don't know what else he can do. I mean, I, maybe obviously the one thing that that he hasn't done is played in an NCAA tournament. You know, where does that rank and how does he balance that with the potential of making uh being paid to play basketball either in the nba or the g league or elsewhere and so uh, that will be a decision he has to make but uh, you know that would be the one thing that's kind of hanging out there i think if he played in the ncaa tournament i think it'd almost be a certainty he'd be gone because there's really nothing much he can do he's a he's been named all-american by some publications he was the the mountain west player of the year he's the mountain west defensive player of the year he went 30 and two uh he won the regular season conference title Uh, There's really not a lot for him still to do or prove in college, but it'll be an interesting decision. Um, You know, the one thing is his size. Uh, A lot of the guards last year who were, you know, people thought might leave a guy like Cassius Winston or uh, Peyton Pritchard at Oregon, uh, both came back. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there maybe is a possibility because he kind of fits into that mold that the, the scouts may say, you need to go back and work on this, this and this, but uh, I, I, my sense right now is that it probably you, you won't see him in an Aztec uniform next year.
0: So okay, so that's two, so that's two of the three starting guards then that that would be gone. So when I look at this, I see I see Pulliam back, I see Shackle back, I see Seiko back. I, I guess those would be. I mean, if you're going to count Mitchell as a forward, you know, sort of a small forward. There's definitely. I, I mean, those three. You got the three guards, but they would clearly be looking to replace to bring in at least one or two guards what about the what about the incoming freshmen well
1: they're all smaller um okay. there there's uh there's Keith Dinwiddie from Fairfax High School who's a sort of two guard a scorer a three-point shooter there's Lamont Butler Jr. from uh, Riverside Poly who by the way just passed the career scoring mark of Reggie Miller another famous alum from Riverside Poly although not as famous as his sister Cheryl Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's always told <laughs> uh, but he did break his career scoring record and you know, that's, that's a pretty impressive thing for a guy who actually isn't a primary scorer. He's, he's more of a distributor, an excellent point guard. And then uh, Shea Evans from uh, Baltimore, who's been hurt almost the entire high school season, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him if he's going to be ready to go. But he's kind of a six six wing, uh, and they don't have any bigs, so I think they're definitely going to have to go get a big. Uh, they'll have Nathan Mensah back, uh, presumably. Right. Um, you know he was he was getting close to being cleared medically, so I think obviously with six more months he, he should be ready to go. Uh, and then they have Joel Mensah, uh, Rope, and um, Adam Seiko. I, I suspect though, if Flynn leaves, they'll try to bring in a big and they'll try to bring in a, a veteran guard. That'd be my my sense.
0: And they've got Keisha Johnson as well, who I know you were you were high on when he first came in at the start of the season, didn't get quite as much playing time as I think maybe you had thought. What What is the future for someone like him?
1: Well, that's a guy that I think seems committed to the program. His parents seem committed. You know, I saw his parents in Nevada uh, after the Nevada game, and they won up there. And because they live in Oakland, they just drove up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they walked right off the court, um, right over to Dutcher, and hugged him. And the <laughs> kid didn't play in the game.
0: Right, right.
1: And and so I, they, they seem really invested. Now, you know, you get some distance and you get AAU people talking, you get the schools talking, but I think they, they're committed to him. They really think he's going to be good. I think the two players that are really, really step up next year, and you'll see a lot of uh, improvement and, and for different reasons are, are Rope and, and Keisha Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rope, because he just, I mean, he, he came in, he, you know, the season started, he was coming off hip surgery, he wasn't 100% fit. Then he hurt his shoulder and he wasn't 100% the fit again. You started to see flashes uh in the last couple games of the tournament. He really played big minutes. A it all guy, he just couldn't see his scoring. I you know, I watched him in practice today shooting threes and he was making, you know, seven or eight out of 10. I mean, if he if he can add that to his game which he had before, I think he's going to be a big-time player. And then Keyshawn, I think he's ready to make that leap. We'll see. Uh his thing is different. It's not a physical issue. It's just you know, he came from such a raw background that he's got to learn the, the sophisticated nature of their defenses and offenses and, and not think out there, but just be able to react. And he's getting a lot better at it. I think with another year and some playing time, but in the middle of the next season, I think he'll be pretty darn good and people will be surprised at how good he is.
0: So it does look like, I mean, the future, I'm not sure it's as bright as 30-2, and two, but with some of these freshmen you talk about and, and if guys that like a rope and 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 Keishat and even a Tripolium that showed flashes this year you know with more time and you get and you get especially Nathan Mensah back it certainly seems like the future looks pretty bright as you said the one of the key things will be if anybody leaves and the and the coaching staff especially i mean these guys did such a great job this year that you know you might be able to absorb losing maybe one assistant, I guess maybe even two. I mean, Dutcher's done pretty well at replacing guys. But, you know, if there's sort of a mass exodus of of coaches, I could see that being uh, a little bit of an issue. And and obviously you don't want to lose um, the guy at the top in Dutcher. But it, it seems like they would do whatever they need to do to keep him, wouldn't you think?
1: Well, again, this is where what we talked about with this new financial era that no one's really thought about yet. But they'll be thinking about it here in a week or two. Uh, and not just in sports across the country, we'll be thinking about well, wait a minute, what, you know, what, what are the the economic ramifications of, of this sort of mass shutdown? Uh, and and you know, and and a school like Xavier St. State does not have the resources of of a power conference. And, and JD, you know, Wicker has been the athletic director has been very clear about that. He goes, "We'll offer what we can offer, but there'll be a limit to it." Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that limit will change because of what we're going through right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, and th- the thing about saying the state is they're going to be able to uh, have their pick of transfers really, maybe in the whole country, they are going to be able to call a guy and say, look what we've done for people. But the key, the thing is they can't take 10 of them and just see which ones work out. Right, uh, you right. have a limited number of scholarships and you have to, um, you know, you have to evaluate. Well, They've they're very good at that. And that's the, the beauty of their staff. They have, you know, five people who, uh, when when you count JD Pollock as well, and even and, and Mark Fisher as well, who is also part of the staff, excellent evaluators. They look at film. They have a great sense for kids. They bring them in. They they talk to them. They get a great sense of their character. They've done really really well, as we saw with this team. So they'll have their pick, but they have to pick well and pick wisely. Uh, if they do, they'll be very good again next year. And and you know, but it's not a perfect science. It's an art more than a science when it comes to recruiting. And so there are going to be times when it doesn't work out as well as you hoped, and, and, uh, and, and maybe you don't go 30-2 again. But right. uh, they'll certainly have the resources to keep it going.
0: All right. Well, it was, it was fun while it lasted. It's too bad that we didn't get a chance to see, uh, see it play out to the full conclusion. But uh, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed Mark's coverage throughout the year. There will obviously be plenty more of this, as he said, busy offseason. So make sure you keep checking the website and the paper for all of that, and we'll come back and do uh, these podcasts when when it's appropriate to do so. And uh, Mark, thanks for your time, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. And as I said, please keep reading, and we'll talk to you again soon.